Welcome everyone to another episode of Weekly Game Chat. I'm your ghost, aka guest host, Chris, joined by the co-host of the show, John. Hello everybody. Hello Chris. How are you doing today? I'm I'm good. I'm, I always hate the beginning of the month at work because it's like when I gotta do reporting stuff, which is like the most boring thing. But I ended that today. So now I'm good for the rest of the month. Now you don't have to work anymore. Oh no, now the real work begins. <laughs> <laughs> now I actually have to use my mind. But well, you know Chris Chris, we need to start another um fundraiser type thing. Uh-huh. There's a new obviously you know, the the show was so generous when it came to Sean, but there's an there's another more important issue that's come up that that I personally need financial help with. Um that is the fact that uh, Sylvester Stallone is uh, selling his stretch Cadillac Escalade and he's selling it for $350,000. Jeez. Um, I think that's a good buy. Um, I've got a, I've got a book idea I'm submitting to him anyway. So I need, I need an N <laughs> to get there. So apparently it's going to cost me 350 G's. There so you if go. you guys could step in, send that, send that my way. Uh, I think we could do this in a matter of days. I'll give him a call um, and be rolling out of here. If you, uh, you should actually try looking that up. That thing is a nice, nice car. Hmm. <laughs> and of I'll course, Stallone's um, sitting in it drinking a, drinking a cocktail or whatever. Andrew, uh, if you're listening, I'm going to let you take front on this one. So if you could just <laughs> uh, set up everything and then just forward John the money once you hit it. I'm sure we'll hey, get there in a week. <laughs> Did you have a good week? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, we, uh, me and Clarissa celebrated on Saturday our who's your who's, eighth, eighth wedding anniversary. Who, who's Clarissa? My wife. Your wife? That's right. That's Dwight. That's right. Yeah, so I, uh, we, um, we had, we had dinner oh. uh, outdoors um, at uh, that local place, uh, Salt Cellar. Oh, okay. You went there. Um, yeah. So we, See, we, we had dinner I on was, the porch. Okay, that's confusing because you said you went to, you got the best cheesecake in town. I thought everyone in says that's, uh, what's their face? Uh, my Bella's? Same owners. Oh, okay. So they just, oh, yeah. That makes it's, sense. It's the exact same one. It's it's sec, exact same cheesecake. I have not been there. Yeah, I recommend. It's it's very good. They don't, um, they keep their, they keep their, their, uh, menu pretty basic. They they don't throw anything exotic or stupid at you. It's just mm. you know, good stuff. One day I'll go. Maybe me nice and you can go. Uh, <laughs> once this bet gets settled, <laughs> if we yeah, if it yeah. goes through, <laughs> they're like, what bet? They'll never know. I'll be like Chris. I'm gonna need a month to save up. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, was that was that all you did? Let's see. I think I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it i finished i had to i I got back to watching um i had a couple of seasons to finish uh left in fringe Mm -hmm. um and then now i'm back on i'm such a creature of habit now i'm watching parks and rec again just as a great show you know just for levity if anybody wants to you know think of a caricature of me think of ron swanson (laughs) that's fair that is fair. That's pretty much maybe me. not the woodworking part, but uh, yeah, for sure, not the woodworking part. Yeah, but definitely, definitely the scotch attitude. Part. Yeah, scotch. <laughs> I don't know. Do you um, eat a lot of eggs? <laughs> I love eggs and bacon. But um, 
and then other, other than that, I've been, uh, I chipped away at the game we're covering this week and I am hmm. still obsessed with Sekiro. Yeah. I saw you've been playing that a lot. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. I've been, um, I guess I've been watching some stuff. I, I, after John went through Star Trek, uh, next gen, I fell down that rabbit rabbit hole for a couple of days. I have hit a pause. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I just like it. It's kind of like, it's like watching doctor who, but I don't have to worry that everyone's going to die because usually someone finds a way to solve it by the end. That's if you want to know the difference between star Trek and doctor who, John, that's the difference. Doctor who literally anyone besides the doctor (laughs) and his companion is vulnerable at any moment. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and, you know, watching, watching all those seasons of star Trek Hmm. can be, can be challenging because sometimes you get into some sort of dead zone rut for a few episodes that are just because, you know, TV is so much different now than it used to be because now television carries a consistent narrative thread throughout the, throughout the episodes. And Mm -hmm. back when start back when next generation was on, all the television, all TV shows did this where it was just, here's a problem for the week. Here's how we solve it in the next 60 minutes or 30 minutes. And then we'll see you next week for a completely different problem. Yeah. There were, in, there were in next generation, a couple of threads like the Borg, Borg and yeah. things like that. Um, and those, and those are the things that kind of keep you going, but Q. like, like you and I, yeah. Q. I mean, the first season you and I both agree, you have to really get through it. I just, um, yeah, I didn't even bother. Didn't, didn't even bother. bother. Um, and like, yeah, even here, like they had an episode where they, uh, the new doctor, not crusher, but the other one that's in season two, um, she's like, yeah, you can get replacement eye surgery. And he's like, I'll have to think about that. And I think I've watched 10 episodes since then or 12. And I guess he's still thinking about it because I haven't heard any updates on it. Um, and of course I know that he doesn't get that till very much later on. Uh, yeah. I, I think from a Canon perspective, there's some sort of allergy he has to a current treatment or something like that. Yeah. But that, but that doctor, um, fun fact, the, the cast hated that doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they brought Crusher. That's back. That's why they brought Beverly Crusher back or I get, was it Gates McFadden Fadden. or something? I think yes. was her name. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, we're nerds. It's, we're nerds. It's just in, impressive, though, that it. I think it holds up as a show versus some oh, of the yeah. other '90s shows out there, um, because it's not a show that is defined by action. Like there is action that occurs, mm-hmm. but it yeah. is first and foremost about just random cool issues that could potentially, in theory, pop up in space if you're talking about new frontiers and really going for a sci-fi feel and it being like, okay, what are the different, like, you know, the episode like where uh, there is a virus that is causing everyone to age rapidly. That has like so many beats in that episode that are interesting from the idea Mm -hmm. of do we just quarantine and let these people die? Um, Do we, you know, do if we're going to bring one of them on to examine them, like what's the precaution we have to take to do this right Um, down to just what happens after that and how they do solve it and get there. Um, You know, sometimes it relies a little bit on the sci-fi, but I give them a break because I doctor who does the exact same thing. 
Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, the all time worst episodes for me for that show are whenever they decide to incorporate a problem with the holodeck. <laughs> like, yeah. Stop yeah. This I'm just so sick of this. This stupid holodeck issue. Yeah. If the holodeck is so dangerous, why do you have it on your ship? <laughs> the, the the Moriarty episode is really good. I do like that's yeah, that, one of the that, few that's that a, I didn't that's, enjoy. A, that's an exception. Yeah. That's an exception. Yeah. But I think I think the heart of that show is the relationship between uh Picard and Data. I sure. Mean, they really yeah. I just those are the two characters. And plus I have a I have a a, a deep affection for Worf. So no. those are my three favorite characters. Why why are you hanging on Riker? What Riker ever do? I I don't hate on Riker, but um, he's sort of the he's sort of the one. What do you call it? He's he's the narrative. um, Would you say he's an unsolved mystery? He's kind of a MacGuffin. He's the all-purpose story pivot thing that the show needs. He can be anything to any episode for the purpose of driving a story. That's true. You know, I find I find I've always found his his lack of ambition to be unbelievable Yeah, because he's been offered so many captain positions on different ships, but he refuses to take them at some point it starts to get, you know, you know, um, you know, unbelievable. He's a, he's like a, an offensive coordinator for bill Belichick. He's like, yeah, sure. Eventually one day this guy's going to retire. Right. Yeah. And because we're talking about star Trek, I think a lot of people have already turned off the podcast. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. I would hope people like it. Um, other thing I started, I started finally watching Perry Mason. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's like the most original greatest show I've ever seen, but it's like getting by because it has a really, really, really good core cast. (laughs) Uh, mainly Matthew, uh, what's his name? Matthew Rice, uh, who's probably most well known from the Americans, uh, mm-hmm. as Perry Mason himself is awesome. Uh, Jonathan Lithgow's in there. Um, what is her name? Tatiana. I can't remember her last name. She's really big from Orphan Black. She won an Emmy for that. Um, she's really good too, as this kind mm-hmm. of like religious, um, spiritual person. But yeah, it's it's very well acted. And very uh, beautifully shot is what I would say. So I'm interested to see where it ends up. Well, Chris, you're beautifully shot. I am beautifully shot. And I'll let you know once I once I do finish it. So far, I'm okay. enjoying it. I'm like three episodes in. So I think there's eight Thanks, total. So You playing um, anything just for gits and shiggles? Mm, uh, not really outside of, uh, I guess, Fall Guys. I've been playing that. Mm-hmm. Um I thought about maybe for a topic, but I just don't think there's, I don't know what you could say like more in like, cause it's like three controls and it's a race and that's, well, can, that's the majority. We of can it. bring, we can bring Aiden on the show next week. Cause he's, oh, so he's, he's loving it. Playing it. Like I said, yeah, he, went up, he went over to his friend Joey's house uh, today, took the PS4 and I think, Oh wow. I think all they did was play fall, fall guys, but he's also, he also jumped into Warzone a few days ago. So he's uh, playing Warzone now. Yeah. <laughs> like fall, this gets more hardcore than I am now. Fall guys feels like it's designed to be a big thing with the youth. You know, yeah. it's colorful. It's, it's got a lot of personality and there's a lot of chaos. So it's, it's perfect. For yeah. Them. It looks like minions. Speaking of chaos though, mm. I guess, uh, all of us here in the South are waiting to see if we will have college football this fall. I, mean, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I think I think the SEC is trying their darndest to hold out 
and they did start their season technically or scheduled to start their season towards the end of September to get them, I think, a little bit of leeway to see, you know, like all the students are arriving on university this week, right? So how's that going to change everything that's going there? But on the other side, as much as I would like for it to happen, when I think of like the compliance legal side of it, I go, I totally understand (laughs) why these university lawyers are basically saying we can't do this, you know, um, because yeah, you got Saban saying that the kids are safer in school. You yeah, got yeah. Coach O is 100% behind it. All so the coaches like, and players are pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's like the lawyers saying, what are you going to do when this one kid gets COVID? And then, you know, from someone else. And then has a 99.9% chance of recovery. <laughs> but like, you know, he actually, because I think like they said, they, the kick this off is that of Indiana's players, right? Uh, their football players, they had five of their offensive line, linemen that developed this myelocardioisis or I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember how you say it. Um, but yeah, like we're reading, we're reading about like long-term side effects that just don't go away. after. The yeah. And, and you're like, well, what happens if the one person who ends up not just getting COVID, but actually developing that sy- symptom is like a top five draft? Prospect. Yeah, that's a career damaging thing. And the next thing you know, they're going to come back. And this is what the lawyer, I think, would say is that they're going to come back and they're going to say, you guys are going to pay me $250 million, whatever conference and, and school they went to, because you told me it was safe. And you apparently decided that the reason I needed to compete was because I was part of a multi-million dollar business for you, right? Even though you're not paying me. And... uh <laughs> And even though you decided to cancel all other sports that fall, you said it was okay for me to do this. And now because of that, I lost out on millions uh, for my career, right? So that's the, th- I think that's the fear of, of the lawyers there. And I think I could see their argument because if I was going to a civil case, right, that's a lot easier thing to uh, push, especially if you get a bunch of players together. Um, then say, you know, some of the other issues that have been creeping in college football through the years. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know. I, I I hope, and even here they're talking about delaying to the spring. And I'm like, is that going to be much better? You know, cause if, if you have flu season and this, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, if it doesn't happen, Mm-hmm. Georgia fans can say, see, this was going to be our year, but you guys didn't want to have it. I do think. But, uh, not that I don't enjoy, you know, you yours and when Sean's back, his yammering on this issue from week to week. Yeah. I will miss that. I will miss that. <laughs> I, I will say, though, if there is one conference that would say, screw it, let's roll the dice, I think it's got to be. SBC. Yeah, because they, they make so much bank. Like, That's right. If there was no football, they could go to everyone and just negotiate out TV rights for this year and be like, yes, pay us a billion dollars. Thank you. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is the South where COVID's a hoax, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what it is. We're like, I don't care about COVID. I care about Alabama. Freedom. Freedom. America. I'm a Tennessee ball, and I'm volunteering <laughs> to go to these games. Get drunk. Ah. <laughs> uh, America. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's about it for me. 
this week, yeah. I think. Good segment. Good segment. Yeah. You want to <laughs> do this topic? Yeah, man. Let's do this. Okay. The topic is carry on. Not the Kansas song about carry on my wayward son, but the game <laughs> carry on from uh, Devolver. John, this should be a historic moment if you think about it, because in Tell one episode <laughs> we've mentioned two Devolver digital games, so that's a rarity. Oh yeah, that's true. That is very, very true, sir. Um, Yeah, this is... uh, Oh, just to to answer your question, uh, uh, Battletoads is uh, August 20th. Oh, okay. Two days after Flight Simulator. Well, that gives us... There you go. We got topics for two weeks. Yeah, we we, we still have to figure out next week, but I think I've got something. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Yeah. Sweet. I can sleep all week. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i um i remember seeing this at the uh at the Dev- devolver digital digital e3 kind of uh thing they do every year right they always yeah. do one like where they don't ever do a live press conference they always kind of do a release a video that has their announcements and mocks the idea of all these uh marketing <laughs> uh initiatives that are introduced in the major press conferences by everyone. Um, quite hilarious. It's been going on now for, I think, four years, the saga of the the host of it. I think she's at this point an Android. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I saw this game, and the first thing I thought, I was like, John should play this game when it comes out. I, I played it for a little bit, but I was like, this will be a John game. And I don't think it was on your radar, right? Not at all. I yeah. I never even was aware of it in in the development stages. Mm, that's a I lot don't of Devolver ever. Digital. <laughs> What's that? I said I think that's a lot of things with you and Devolver Digital. No offense. Uh yeah. Point yeah. taken. <laughs> Point taken. But yeah, this um, this game is is technically. Let me. I gotta say, it's technically. It's the end of inside. <laughs> <laughs> I've not. I cannot lie. Uh, that that did occur to me. That did occur to me. It's almost like inside in reverse. But I don't want to. I don't want that to be any, yeah. any spoiler thing. But uh, it's uh, it, it's technically what you might call a Metroidvania. But it. But to me, it's mm. coming across more as a Metroidvania hybrid. Where, you know, in a Metroidvania game, <clears throat> you know, just like in this game, you have abilities that you gain that allow you to defeat new enemies and access new areas but while you can do this in this game there's very little need very little incentive and very little ability to backtrack mm-hmm. and by ability i mean um this game i'm just going to say it it doesn't have a map i've heard i've heard that as like one of the big kind of complaints on it was yeah, like it, that it, it doesn't because I, I even played it for a little bit and when I was going through I was like this is interesting as far as without spoiling what it is I'll let you do that but like yeah. the idea that I was going through and I was getting new abilities and the fact that 
I didn't really know the way back because I wasn't paying attention that much because I am so used to a Metroidvania game these days having a map like, yeah. you know, Ori or something else. You know, it was a little bit off-putting. Yeah, and it's, you know, you, you can almost, it can cause a significant amount of discomfort early on because at the you know, when I was playing it early on, I was going, what the heck am I supposed to do without a map? Yeah. But you're but but you start to realize one number one, how does a amoebic tentacled creature have access to a map in in re, you know in 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 reality, you know. It's not like he has, you know, control of his frontal cortex, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. And then secondly, the game itself, if you're paying attention to its environments and things like that, it very much um drives you into a linear experience it's like yeah technically you can go back and visit other areas if you have a good sense of where everything is which at least on your first playthrough you won't (laughs) but the game does a pretty good job with keeping you on track going to the next area as long as you're looking for cues of where to go sometimes you can get turned around but for the most part it does a good job but um, the basic plot i mean it's it's almost like saying for, for the general concept of this game, it's almost like saying, what if you were the xenomorph in Alien? Hmm. Or what if, you know, even, you know, to, to tie it to the Metroidvania thing, what what if you were Mother Brain? What if you were the blob? What, yeah, what if you were the blob? So you so you wake up, <clears throat> you you sort of come into existence, you bust out of this, this uh, sample tank, um, and you're this amoebic organism red organism with tentacles and And that's accurate folks right (laughs) and you don't you don't have a general context for what's going on or why you are there you just you just know that you have an instinct to uh wreak havoc and escape you know that kind of thing it's great uh that initial when you burst out seeing the people just be like freaking out (laughs) oh freaking out for sure (laughs) Um, and the thing that really never gets old is the screams. <laughs> yes, but, definitely, you could definitely tell these the people who made this game have a love for uh, monster film. Yeah. So I mean, just like I mean, just like the, uh, just like any Metroidvania, your over time you you uh, you manipulate the world to break into certain places, gain access to more abilities, things that add to your um, your what they call your biomass, you know things like that. Um, and it's a very interesting and novel approach to Metroidvania. Has it been done for done before? I don't know. Um, not that but I can this think seems, of. say what? Not that I can think of. Yeah, not that I can think of either. Although I I I I reserve uh, judgment on whether it has technically been done before, but it is. Um it's sort of a, it's sort of a cool creature in that you, the only, you have, you have full range of movement where, you know, if you're Samus Aaron, you're waiting for the ability to jump high enough to get onto another ledge or something like that. You have the ability to to traverse any section of space within the, within this um, underground area. Right. Cause yeah, you Um, can just stick to the walls. Right. Yeah, you you just have these tentacles that take you wherever you want to go. The only the only issue you have is <clears throat> being able to access certain blocked areas that you can't go. Um, 
there's several different stages or the, you know, over the course, the, the, the sample container that you break out of, there are different areas of the, of the world where you discover new um, containers that you have to um, break up and destroy, which grants you new abilities to grant, you know, access to different areas, you know, which is pretty typical of, of, um, of a metroidvania and your combat is very is very cool you're, you're it's almost a, a it's almost a hybrid of 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 stealth mechanics where you're you're stalking your prey where you can go in you can go at it full force but you have the ability to avoid being detected um by these people um and just sneak in and reach a tentacle out and grab them and, and shake them all over the place or you know and and you can uh, and, and sort of, so one of the things you're doing is you're growing larger as you progress through the game. Um, and as you do that, <clears throat> you have the ability throughout the, throughout the map, there's these places where you can, uh, during different stages of, dur- during different sizes of your development, you have different abilities. Those abilities never leave you, but in order to, in order to reenact certain abilities, you have to be at the certain stage or size to do those types of abilities. So there's these places throughout the map that allow you to deposit your biomass down to a smaller function of you that had that ability to, to begin with. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of having to access one area by using the skills that you had two sizes smaller. So going to going back down to that bio biomass pool to deposit your biomass so you can go back up to the area and access that area it's not the size that's the problem it's the it's the skills and the powers you have that access certain puzzles gotcha so it's it's like you're manipulating your size based on what is required in the in the environment to access new areas Hmm. and you can always go back to that pool and reattach your biomass and just continue on with what you were doing Hmm it's a really cool novel approach. You, you know, in most, in most Metroidvania games, you can't necessarily deactivate your skills. Some you can, but, um, this was an interesting approach, uh, to how you, uh, progress through the environment. Um, so the basic, it it, it can be, I would say this game is somewhat repetitive if it wasn't such a short game. The game is only about five hours in length. Some people can finish that within two. Sometimes it takes six to seven. Just in, just depends on if you get turned around or confused by something. But uh, the general thing to that you're that you're doing is you are sort of depositing your biomass. You're infiltrating with your own biomass, um, breaking down and infiltrating the 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 station with your essence, if you will. So. <clears throat> you have these certain cracks in the walls that you discover along the way where you, um, you insert your biomass. It also creates sort of a state, a save station, like a, like a Metroid game has. Um, and once you infiltrate a crack in the wall, it shows some, um, area that you haven't attained yet that shows a little tentacled area, uh, moving into this circle. And depending on, depending on the area you're in, you have to do this, three times in an area or four times in an area or six times in an area for you to break through that door to get through the next area. 
if that makes sense. It does. And so that's that's sort of a repetitive loop, and you only have to do it five or six times or something like that. So it would be it would be a very it's something that can once you get towards the end of the game, you can get you're like, how many more times do I have to do this? Because it's a very repetitive thing. The thing that saves it is the puzzles you have to do to get to these areas. Um, and just really cool and creative ways that they come up with to do that. But basically, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's just this, um, Metroidvania hybrid that had, that's, that has a very linear, uh, design that this, never outstays its welcome. I did, I did finish the game. It took me about five hours. Did, uh, does uh, it ever like kind of give you any deeper understanding, I guess, to like, why this creature is or you know um or is it just like you are the monster and this is what it would be like to be the monster aka you don't care about the story you just are a thing and you're going to go and destroy because you don't really know anything else this is what your purpose is as a uh a creature in the world right i will say that you leave you finish the game with questions okay but they're the type of abstract questions like like you like you left with questions inside. you had about inside yeah so it doesn't answer everything you want to know but it gives you the closure your where it answers the question oh okay there it, this is why all this happened gotcha but you're still not left with everything it's a very um it's a very minimalist approach it's a very um abstract you know inside's a very abstract game where it deals with ideas rather than yes specific story beats and this is and this is the same this is the same thing um it's a very it, it's it's a very well it's a very welcomed game it's a very surprising game to me because when i first started playing it, it i was sort of turned off by the idea of moving around like a jelly amoeba I, I, that wasn't that wasn't sexy to me it, does, it wasn't appealing to me i'm like i want alucard or samus <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Give me a sword and blaster, but it, but the, but the, because of how beefy you get, I mean, let's keep in mind, it's, it's a relatively easy game per se, quote unquote, although there is one moment where it spikes the difficulty a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very easy thing because the game recognizes that you are this monstrous entity and you are basically, you're basically the xenomorph you know, in, in a game where you're killing humans, which are relatively easy prey to kill. I noticed the first time I interacted with a human and a gun that they could like take you down very quick if you didn't interact or, you know, basically respond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm yeah, guessing but, and, that and, that probably falls by the wayside for 90% of them very quickly. Right. It's more. Yeah. 90, 90% of them. And, and, you know, y- you, I think all in all, you're, you're reaching a few stages of size Mm-hmm. Um, and you, when you get to your maximum size, <laughs> it can be a little bit hinky nah. navigating small corridors. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not a deal breaker because the game, you know, if I was spending 13 hours trying to do this, yeah, you know, that'd be a different thing, would, right? Um, it become an issue, but it's a very, uh, very creative and novel approach to a, to a, to a, to a tried and true, if I dare say, celebrated formula of gameplay. I need I need um, to see if this uh, studio has made anything else, um, or if this is their first game, because it does seem like a 
like this is a good hey we've got like five people in our studio that work right and we need something that we can make and it's not going to be like you know fez and take 10 years <laughs> uh yeah. something we can just make and try out some ideas and and do something cool with it right yeah for versus sure. the opus <laughs> But, you know, the the combat, it's like um, there are very dangerous enemies in the world that mm. if you take on uh, head first, they can do some serious damage to you. But gotcha. it's a matter of properly stalking your prey. I mean, there's a there's a there's a tactic in the game based on a certain size that you are where you can become invisible for a certain amount of time <laughs> um, and stalk your prey that way, sneak up on them things like that. But once, once you get a hold of that human, regardless mm-hmm. of how dangerous it is, once you finally get a hold of them, they are yours <laughs> and there is nothing they can do. <laughs> That's why you love this game folks. In case you know, John's a great stalker. He stalks yeah. a lot of people. And if, uh, if he says this game has great stalking mechanics, I don't doubt him. Yeah. I should, I should show the fans are my van <laughs> down by the river. Worry about size 14. Size 13. Yeah. But, uh, this game is a, is a very welcome, um, game to play. It, it, it is free on games pass game pa- on games pass. It is available on PC, Xbox, and Nintendo switch. Mm. The asking price, uh, on steam and, um, I didn't check switch, but I assume it's, it's the same price. It's $19. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to proclaim a huge objection because, well, this is why you know, have I, games pass, right? <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, this is why you have, this is why you have games pass. But if, if you didn't have games pass, I yeah. would feel more comfortable with it priced at like maybe 1499 at the most mm-hmm. because people can finish this game within three hours. It's, it's not, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't give you that much time. It does give you a lot of thrills and, it, and, and, you know, stalking your prey and, and all the sounds and the screams and the, and, and the sounds that the creature makes, it just never gets old. It's, it is, it is definitely a power trip hmm. for sure. And it, it was a very enjoyable game. I've, um, I'm glad I got to play it. Uh, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you're just relieved when you're, covering a game for the show and you can say ah. you know it it didn't take that long um yes you know and it was and 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 it was a quality game that you can recommend to people i think particularly it, particularly <laughs> when there's not a lot out at the moment you know it's work sort of in that lull period i think if uh you're a younger listener you right now probably are like why would you want a short game and i'll tell you once you get older <laughs> you you kind of relish it like jeff is uh still playing ghost of Tsushima, and i don't even know if he's made it to act three yet you know and that's just a reality of right you know like having a uh a job and then having a family and all that is that it's very easy to to lose your time you know of what you can invest in something that can go for 50 hours yeah um, so you know some people like to have him be like you know what i'm gonna start this game on a Monday and I'm only going to play it for like 60 minutes a night. And then after a week I'm done. <laughs> now I can move on to something else. <laughs> well, cool. Um, if you were going to give a Richard, unless you have something else, uh, what would that Richard be John? Well, I'll give my Richard in just a second. I will oh, say, okay, I, I meant to say, I, I did mean to say as far as navigation, 
um, the fact that it doesn't have a map. Um, if you pay attention to your environments, you'll see like digital scroll things that go like kind of like how you see over the highway. Yeah, yeah. Accident on Route 35, that kind of thing. Gotcha. You'll see these digital uh, things going across certain walls that say something like um, um, bio, uh, this area has been compromised. All personnel, please proceed to this area. And it sort of serves as a cue for the monster to go to that area. Hmm. So it's sort of, it's sort of the, the environment sort of leads you down a linear path. Hmm. So that's just one of those ways to traverse. But as far as a Richard goes, I think, um, I think I can definitely recommend this game to people uh, looking for a uh, sort of a break between the ghosts of Tsushima games and the yeah. things, you know, Marvel's Avengers coming out, you know, to fit this, go ahead and fit this in. It's definitely an eight or an 8.5 uh, okay. for me. If, if it was, if it was any longer than five hours, this game drop. would be a seven. Yeah, for sure. It just, it does. It goes on just long enough where it doesn't become annoying hmm. doing the same things over again. And I got to, I got to hand it to the developers for that. They were very self-aware with what they had here hmm. and they were, and they, they made a conscious decision. It seems like we can't do this for too, too long. This is not, this is just a novel thing. This is just a, well, here's your, you can be a monster. Go have fun for five hours. That's why I liked uh, control. Right was that it was a game that Remedy definitely respected your time to say, we're not going to just make you kind of do the exact same thing over and over. It's like, no, no, no. We want this to be a process. And then once you've reached that, have a little bit of period where you're, you feel like you're at full ability and then you end the game. And there's a little bit more if you want to go do it, but you don't have to. I don't know if I told you this, but I do have control on PC. I don't know if I told you this, but they announced the release date for the DLC for the Alan Wake one. Save it for the news, dude. <laughs> Did you put it in there? I didn't see it in there. I might, have, I might have mentioned it. Oh, I was like looking earlier and I didn't see it. And I was like, this son of a doing. Well, it's it's like, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm like, if I, if I give up on Sekiro or finish Sekiro, mm-hmm. whatever comes first, I should just jump into control. You should. You should even wait though, for the. I don't have ray tracing. Mm, that's true but still i mean it the the important thing is that the game runs really well uh mm-hmm. compared to the console versions which i still yeah. think most people that have heard played it have been like yeah it's a little janky yeah. um, <laughs> even, even still john you know what, what the topic's going to be according to microsoft next week apparently it's going to be mud runner from focus home interactive 1.54 gig download on pc games pass you don't like that one? Okay. Wait, Maybe is that, that the bike game? I have no idea. Uh, let's see. There's think, Hearts of Iron I, 4 Cadet Edition. Hold, um, on, hold on, hold on. I think I downloaded Mud Runner. <laughs> Ooh, Portal <laughs> Bridge Constructor. Man, I would play that. Or the topic, though, will really be Wizard of Legend. <laughs> oh, that's. Oh, I downloaded um, Lonely Mountains Downhill. <laughs> I, I've looked at um, Trailmakers, It Lurks Below, Xeno Crisis, Undermine the Tourist. I don't know. I'd have to look at some of those before I decide to play any of them. Did you guys ever do Streets of Rage 4? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, me and Sean played it uh, one night and had a probably the biggest 
laughing fit Streets of Rage is great. We've ever had. I love me some Streets of Rage. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. That's childhood right there. Streets of Rage 2. Yeah. For sure. Well, you want to do some news? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Hot off the press and straight to your ears. Weekly Games Chat presents the news. That was that. That was amazing, and I should probably pull up <laughs> the notes. The news. <laughs> Lord, that would that would be helpful. That would be helpful. Does that mean I should go first and explain this first one? <laughs> yeah, if you want to. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> uh, Apple explains as many know XCloud through Games Pass will not be made available on iOS. For now, Apple has made a statement to Business Insider regarding the issue. Zoom in so I can read this better. <laughs> Old eyes. Uh, the Apple Store was created to be safe and a trusted place for customers to discover and download apps and a great business opportunity for all developers. Before they go on our store, all apps are reviewed against the same set of guidelines that are intended to protect the customers and provide a fair and level playing field to developers our customers enjoy great apps and games for millions of developers and gaming services can absolutely launch on the app store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search in addition to the app store developers can choose to reach out uh, or reach all iphone and ipad users over the web through safari and other web browsers on the app store. Microsoft responded with our testing period on Project xCloud preview app for iOS has expired. Unfortunately, we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming with uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to gamers on iOS via the Apple App Store. Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Games Pass. It consistently treats gaming apps differently, applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps, even when they include interactive content. All games available in the Xbox Xbox, (laughs) uh, Xbox Game Pass catalog are rated for content by an independent industry rating body such as the ESRB and regional equivalents. We are committed to finding a path to bring cloud gaming with Xbox (laughs) uh, Game Pass Ultimate to the iOS platform. We believe that the customer should be at the heart of the gaming experience and gamers tell us they want to play, connect, and share anywhere, no matter where they are. We agree. And I have to say, yeah, I'm with Microsoft on this. And uh, it's not just them that they've done this to. They did it to Stadia as well. Um, This is just them. This is Apple saying, we don't want this on (laughs) on our system unless we get a cut. And, uh, by the way, you're also can potentially going to steal people from our Apple arcade in theory, which I don't think that would be a thing, but you know, it's just Apple being Apple on this. It's kind of hard to see. I I mean, I get why they're doing it from, I guess the money standpoint. Right. But this is the thing like where you're seeing people saying we only want you if we get a cut 
and that's what matters the most to us, not what matters to our users. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a fair, it's definitely a fair point. Uh, you know, they, they do have to protect the interest of, um, Apple arcade for one. Yeah. I mean, it's a very similar platform in the, in that you have access to all these titles for a certain amount of dollars a month. True. So, you know, with that, I, I understand their perspective. It's, it's also, what if they were to grant Microsoft this type of access? What would that mean? I mean, that would just open up the floodgates mm-hmm. for developers putting gaming apps on their, on their platform going forward, going, why is Microsoft an exception to your rule? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I know. Cause, the, cause they have a billion dollars just like you do. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of a, I'm, I'm with you on the fact that, yeah, I, I understand that Microsoft wants access to one of the largest gaming platforms on earth, which is iPhone and mm-hmm. iPad. Um, but it's, you know, I see both sides here. I mean, you, you open up Pandora's box if you gave permission to Xbox for doing what everybody else wants to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just a situation where Apple's Apple's the one in the bad situation well, xbox has been spending the past several years going well playstation 4 we love all gamers why don't you well apple we love all gamers why don't you they have a very attractive populist message yes. about the gamer and it's and you know i can see if anybody makes apple cave it's going to be microsoft but Probably the reality long-term. is, does Apple really need to cave here? And I don't think they do. Yeah, it's just, to me, in the end, the big thing, it's disrespectful because it's like, it's all about they want a cut. And I would say to them, I guess, you already got your cut from me, right? I bought your watch. I bought your phone that cost, you know, $1,000. You've gotten a cut from me. So don't act like you're not getting anything from me. And I would say... <laughs> You know, how is this different from any of the other apps that are out there that like, for instance, HBO Go, they don't get a portion or I guess HBO Max now would be right of that subscription. You know, it's a free app and then you have to have a subscriber service to log in. And that's something that's relegated through there. But so far, it seems like the reason they haven't challenged those is, of course, those things existed before they brought forth Apple TV. Right. So it. I think that's the the problem I have. It's just like, you're like, you're basically just doing this because you're saying the only way we're going to do it is if we get money out of it. That's the only reason for us. Oh, I thought they were looking for money from Microsoft. Yeah. From, yeah. That's what they want. The individual. Okay, they're going to, so they're going to want either, saying- they're going to want either Microsoft to pony up and just pay them a flat fee. Right. right in billions of dollars to have access probably like for a year or something like that to this or else. Yeah. They're going to want a portion of every single subscription for games pass that's sold, you know, going there. And uh, I mean, I see Microsoft saying, you're like, well, wait a minute. All you're doing is providing the app, right? Like, or hosting the app for download. It's our servers that are doing this. It's our technology that's doing this. And it's, I mean, like, it's no different to me, like I said, than Netflix being on there and you're going, why are you fighting for this? You're fighting for it because it was something that came after you put out your, uh, your store thing. And the idea of like, we have to rate every single thing. I'm like, 
as Microsoft puts out, like there's an easy way to do that in five seconds. We'll just forward you what the ESRB says they should be. And you can mark what's there. You know, I don't see you like being concerned if a kid's getting on his iPhone and going and watching R rated movies on Netflix. I don't see that kind of concern, you know? So, so when are we going to see games pass on PlayStation five? Maybe eventually. But see, but, but see, that's the point. I yeah. mean, you say maybe eventually, but I say never. Yeah. I mean, Apple, regardless of how we want to view them, they mm. view themselves as a gaming platform. They get, they view themselves as a gaming platform in competition with Google, PlayStation, Nintendo, and, and Microsoft. I, at least I would argue. And I do know that Apple probably has in their, in their queue, working on i think we've already confirmed this they're working on a streaming type service that this games pass is eventually going to become or in fact currently is but if that's the case I think then we have to, uh, apple is not apple is competing with microsoft so why sure. should they make it easy i'm just it's not that i don't want it on my hmm. iphone and my ipad i do but why should apple deliberately give them an inch when they are compet competitors because it's good for, I mean, I guess the argument is it's good for the consumer in the end, right? Because it I gives them, but it, I, can't, it, I can't be good for the consumer 100% if it kills my business and, but my, it's, and my business But I mean, strategy. the truth is it's not going to because the majority of people that are using an iPhone, they're not using it for gaming. That's not the primary purpose for having those things, right? But if someone is looking to say maybe buy a new phone, it could be a consideration of why you go buy to a Samsung phone now and go over to that market over them, right? Like, because guess what? Minecraft is available on iPhone. It's also available on a Samsung. So I can go play it either place. It doesn't matter to me, um, the consumer. And I don't think that a nine, was there a thing? I think it's like five or nine ninety nine a month for their arcade. I don't think that's the kind of thing that's going to keep a person there. I also don't think that, for non-gamers that games pass not being there is going to be a deal breaker right i think they'll be fine in that regard but to me long term i just don't see how they're going to win out in this argument eventually they'll cave I, I think eventually if games pass continues to grow they'll be like look there's no reason why we should not welcome this in they had the exact same problem with microsoft back with office uh you know in the earlier days and then eventually you know, Steve Jobs got smart and said it's a lot easier to just work with Windows than to work against them, right? And what they're trying to do. And look at that. They did perfectly fine with Windows being on their systems and having Office available because they also made good, capable applications. I, you know, I guess maybe, you know, the next step if they're wanting to, if Microsoft wants to do a power play, is to pull Minecraft from their platforms. They could. Uh, well, I mean, I, uh, they could just pull it from them, right? And say, no, well, that's you. what I mean. Uh, yeah. the, from Apple platforms, uh, yeah. per percentage wise, I don't know what, how big of a percentage of people who play Minecraft play it on iOS. I don't know. Um, but, I would uh, be willing to bet a bunch of kids do, but I, I think, <laughs> I think, I think in the long run, <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm defending something. I'm not, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to present to the audience the reasons why Apple is 
putting a line in the sand here. Yeah. Apple's going to make far more money from Tomb Blast than they're ever going to make from Halo or Gears of War. That's true. I mean, that's just the reality. So I think this will come to a resolution at some point, but Mm -hmm. this is just what happens when two huge companies that don't have clear advantage over the other. Mm Mm-hmm. They're just staking their claims and that they're just they're 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 puffing out their chests like like two big gorillas. Yeah, I think there would be a str- get through it. I think they would have a stronger basis right now if you didn't have Android, right? But because Android's there, I think if anything, that's gonna be the thing that pushes it. Be- yeah, but Android's fractured. I mean it, you, I mean, yeah, in terms of phones, LG phones, all these different types of phones, but it doesn't use the Android platform. But it doesn't matter because the Android platform still works and offers the same things for the most part, unless it's like an exclusive thing made by a developer of that phone, right? You can still go use Spotify on any of those. And when you actually look at the worldwide market of phones, Android completely dwarfs, I believe, uh Apple in terms of total users. And it's for that reason, right? You don't have to pay a premium price that you pay for Apple. It's always been their thing, you know? Right. Um, so look, I hope Microsoft wins out. Cause I think this service can benefit both parties if they negotiate correctly. But you know, I will always defend a company who is, who is, who is looking out for their best interest first. Yeah. Uh, because you know, if you, if you were, if you are constantly looking out for the interest of the consumer, you can look out to the for the in, the interest of the consumer. Mm-hmm. Consumer positivity is giving something away for free. That's con, that's pro consumer, sure. but you can but you can pro in consumer to the death of a company, you know. See, so, so that so it's not a zero sum game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I'm not really worried, regardless if Games Pass is on there or not about Apple's future. (laughs) I think they'll be fine. For sure. For sure. (laughs) All right. So, uh, I think, uh, Chris, um, the most, uh, the worst kept secret in gaming is, uh, for real, (laughs) further being confirmed. Xbox series S, um, has, has been confirmed, uh, again, that's a question mark. The Xbox Series S has been rumored thanks to packaging for the new controller. The packaging mentions both the Xbox Series X and the unconfirmed Xbox Series S, codenamed Lockhart. The Verge obtained the photos of the next-gen controller, and the packages seem to confirm two versions of the console. So hopefully a full reveal with price on both versions will be announced later this, this month. You know, what's interesting about this, aside from what it, what it does confirm and we you know let's be honest we know this exists yeah the interesting thing today is i heard and i think you've told me this uh as a possibility that they could be charging 199 dollars for this thing yeah it's it's been rumored because i mean it's rumored right now that they're really going to push the price down as much as possible for the x despite it probably being something that you know in normal times i'm sure they probably if they didn't care, they could charge $600 and you would be like, yeah, it's probably a justified price based on the tech that's in there. Right. But, um, they're not going to do that. They're, they're trying to go as low as possible to build this, uh, eco culture. But this is also why like shows why waiting for so long to announce things is uh, like both of these are doing like, this is the problem that comes up is that your supply distribution chains for things like this your controllers for next gen 
this is usually about the time they all start going out places. They start going yeah. everywhere to the stores and you just, yeah. you're embargoed, <laughs> but you know what? Some idiot that's, you know, somewhere that <laughs> they don't have a lot of regulation on them. Like, which is where I think this was, it was like some, uh, resale place that was, uh, non-America. Yeah. Somebody and, bought this. Somebody got a yeah, hold of this. They purchased. Just, yeah. They just saw, oh, okay. Yeah. I can get a series X controller. And then you look on the back and it says series S two, And you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> and you have to have these things because the idea, especially with the other announcement we have, uh, for them here in a little bit, as far as the new consoles are concerned, like with that window being where it is, right. You have to, you have to start getting all the accessories and everything out now because you want them there. A lot of times you'll see them put them out even before day one, just so people can go out and start buying them and have them and, you know, feel good and all that kind of stuff. And this is what happens. You know, what's, uh, what's even more interesting is, um, the, the design of the controller. Mm -hmm. It, It looks almost like a hybrid between what is current, what is current gen Xbox controller and the elite, too yeah you know how it has that button in the middle that you can that you can program different configurations yes i'm wondering if this controller can do that if and if not what that can what that button is for i think because it, the, because the directional pla- pad looks like a hybrid between the two options on the elite i think they said that the mill button that they put in there is a straight share button now okay um, whereas you know the one that's currently on the elite in the regular xbox one controllers um it has like the thing where you hit the button and it brings up a menu and then you have to kind of decide what you want to do whereas you know this is kind of i think managing to close that uh gap that sony had with their controller with this generation where you just have the one share button right and then it pretty much just gives you the share options from there so now you'll have your two, you know, buttons up top that can have different things that you're doing. Um, one just to pause the game, for instance, whereas one might bring up a menu for the system or something like that. Um, so we'll see. I'm sure they'll elaborate more on it. We'll never know. Yeah, we will know. The these, co- these consoles are a hoax. <laughs> They're not real. <laughs> That's not what the news coming up says, John. <laughs> Don't give me hope. <laughs> I'll give you no hope on the plans to end Xbox Live Gold in a statement to Verge, The Verge. Microsoft said, quote, we have no plans to discontinue Xbox Live Gold at this time. It's an important part of gaming on Xbox today, and we will continue to be in the future. The rumor, to the contrary, has been widely stemmed by the discontinuation of 12-month gold subscription, as well as online Halo Infinite going free-to-play. Further, quote, there are no changes being made to the experience on the service or uh, uh, Xbox Live Gold. Xbox Live Gold will continue to be paid in monthly or three monthly payment plans. Personally, I feel like they're saying, when they say something like, we have no plans to discontinue gold at this time, instead of just clearly saying, gold is going to be part of next gen, you know, and it's going to be around for many years to come. I feel like, this uh, what's the old political term it's kind of like a non-denial denial right you're denying it but you're not really denying that it's a possibility so i i mean i, I keep saying that like in my mind it's a plausible you, deniability yeah if you're if you're xbox maybe not right now yeah i get it you might not drop it on day one i get that right 
But long term, if your whole entire idea is this system, you know, this online service system where you pay nine bucks a month and you get all these games, right? Why would you have half of it behind a $5 online paywall and the other half not, right? It would make a lot more synergy wise to just have a complete ecosystem that makes sense. Like I shouldn't have to go, if I own both the Xbox uh, Series X and my gaming PC, I shouldn't have to go, oh, I'm going to go play with John and Gears let me hop on my PC so I don't have to pay the five bucks to gold. <laughs> it's just a lot easier to instead just go play where you want, how you want. Right. So yeah. Plus, if, plus if you're not phasing this out, I can't understand for the life of me, why you would stop the annual subscription, the 12 month subscription. I don't know. I Correct. can't think of a reason you're, you're doing it other than a phase out. Yeah. I mean, so they're just, to me, it's all code. They're, they're saying I could easily see if we have E3 next year, if that actually happens and it comes back at the very end one or towards the end, you just go, we, you know, Philip there, we believe in the player and all this other stuff that he's been preaching the last couple of years. And because of that, we believe that when you play online, it should be free no matter where you play. And everyone goes clap, clap, clap. And, and then, you know, and then he goes <laughs> one more thing and then it comes up and apparently they are making shadow of the Colossus too, because they bought that. And I don't know how that would happen. That makes no sense. Shadow of the Colossus <laughs> 2. Bioshock next game, exclusive Xbox Series X. <laughs> well, Chris, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Oh, okay. What do you want first? Never whatever mind, whatever the way. way you wrote it. <laughs> uh, Microsoft has confirmed that Xbox Series X will indeed launch this November. Shocker. Though a specific date has not been given. So that's the good news. The bad news is Halo is delayed with no definite release window mm. named except to say 2021. It doesn't say early 21. It doesn't say mid 2021. Yeah. It doesn't say end of year 2021. So the quote is today. I want to share an important halo infinite development update with the community. We have mad. We have made the difficult decision to shift our release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a halo game experience that meets our vision. The decision to shift our release is the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. I want to acknowledge the hard work from our team at 343 Industries who have remained committed to, to making a great game and finding solutions to development challenges. However, it is not sustainable for the well-being of our team or the overall success of the game to ship this holiday. We know this will be disappointing to many of you, and we all share in that sentiment. The passion and support the community has shown over the years has been incredible and inspiring. We wanted nothing more than to play our game with the community this holiday. The extra time will let us finish the critical work necessary to deliver the most ambitious Halo game ever at the quality we know our fans expect. Thank you for your support and understanding. Chris, so many thoughts are rolling through my head on this. So many things have... <laughs> It's almost like <clears throat> this is going to cause Jason Schreier to go sniffing around if he hasn't already <laughs> uh, uh, with, he, with the idea of crunch because I get the sense that this has a he, lot to do with crunch. He I said, get to- if I recall a couple of weeks on Twitter, you know, he was definitely interested in 
some of the you know stories and um, rumors he was hearing about as far as three four three industry. Yeah. But he also, of course, said like, "Look, I don't comment on stories before they're published," which is standard for for journalism, right? You sure. You don't want to talk about it because then people might shut up. <laughs> right. And then you know there was a big hullabaloo, if you will, mm-hmm. that once they showed this game at their presentation last month, mm-hmm. it got a lot of blowback. It got a lot of criticism, justifiable or not. I, yeah. I'm not here to judge. Yeah, but Sony. I don't know what that had to do with it. What's up? I said the Sony fanboys had a, a field day, and it was definitely divided in the sense of, I think either it did it brought you back to the old vibes, right, or else you're right. like, you were like, this is it. <laughs> so you know, no, I, you you were I, one of those two camps. It felt like. Well, I think it's fair to say that passionate Halo fans had something to say as well. I yeah. mean, I just don't, I just don't discredit it as a PS4 fanboy thing. I well, mean, I'm, sure, I that's, saw, I'm I, sure that was a big part of the. Yeah, annoying. they were Don't they were the wrong. ones harping the hardest about the graphics, and I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. If you, that's yeah. why you're playing this game, you don't really understand what matters most to these games, which is frame rate and stability and gun gameplay and all that. But I thought this, though, I still think is a good move for them um, because, all right, this is supposed to be your first big sign- signature exclusive, right? And they were talking about launching without ray tracing and then providing ray tracing in a future update and to me that's the dumbest thing you do with this game because if you release on day one everyone who's buying an xbox series x that's why they're buying it right is for the next gen tools and perks that you can't do on the current console so you know having those two things out of line, it just did not make sense. Like this should be launched where it is the full technical version that can run on the series X at its best ability on day of one. That's what needs to be the standard when it does release because it's, it's halo, right? You know, if you think about it in its history with Microsoft, especially in the launch of the Xbox, that was literally what sold us on them being able to be a real developer and, uh, in console mainstay in uh, the U.S. ecosystem of gaming, so yeah, I would say take your time, get it right. There's there obviously there's a place for that philosophy, and I agree with that philosophy. However, there is when you're launching a console and you've been promising your flagship yeah. franchise for two week two years, this is bad. It, it hurts in the short term. It well. It, the short term means early adoption. I mean, yeah. that that's what, that's what, that's what any, that's what any console competitor needs at the beginning who lost quote unquote, the previous gen generation. Mm-hmm. They need to, they need to hit the ground running. And mm-hmm. Halo was that hit the ground running tool. For sure. And now PlayStation has, unless they completely flub something, unless this system is $800, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think Phil Spencer has been cussing people out this week. I don't think so. I mean, like, I think he's disappointed. I don't. I don't oh, sure. I, I think, I'm but not, I'm not suggesting that's his nature. I don't. I, you know, I'm just. I think he's extremely upset. I would say he still feels fine because he's thinking, okay, I still have the best console out there, and he's probably thinking, worst case scenario, I don't have my big exclusive on day one. Best case scenario, 
everyone starts, you know, because I don't have any doubt in my mind with both of these consoles on day one, they will sell out. <laughs> I have no doubt that whatever their stock is through Christmas on both of them, they will sell out because it's not going to be a ton, right? We're talking about 3 million probably per console. Um, and, you know, Xbox had no problem selling Xbox One uh, at launch, uh, you know, with those amounts. So I'm not, I'm not overly worried. I think the hope has got to be that, right? Like, say, you know, they're saying November, right? So let's say this console launches on November 7th. Let's, let's go with that date, which would be, I think, kind of lined up because, hey, one 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 seven. Master Chief, we miss you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, if it comes out that day, and then on eleven nineteen, you know, Cyberpunk drops, and you start looking at it, and you're going, oh, wow, playing Cyberpunk on the Xbox Series X is the equivalent of playing it on a 2080 Ti PC right now, if it looks the same, if it's doing it in 4K with ray tracing and all these bells and whistles, right? And then over here, you have a PS4 version that can only put it out in 1400p. And, you know, maybe the ray tracing isn't quite as great. And the only thing that's great about it is that it loads quickly, which really doesn't matter because guess what? Xbox loads pretty fast too. <laughs> then all of a sudden, there's a different conversation going on to the people because they're saying, wait a minute, these games I'm playing, they they seem to be working better on that other one than the one I bought, you know, and that's what you have to hope now. You have to hope that Watchdog Legions and Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Cyberpunk, Madden, uh, and I would say NBA 2K, that all those games come out and that they run effectively well and help to kind of give people an understanding of just how solid your console is so that by the time, hopefully with this extra time with halo, it comes out, people start to go, okay, I know this console is solid and you know what? I do love me some halo. This might be the time where I jump in. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the key word is hope. I mean, yeah. Yeah. If you, the only the the only card left in in Xbox hand is undercutting severely. Yeah, and the price seems like that's what they're going for, right? Because you know <laughs> it's like I will pay you this amount of money if mm. I'm not going to get to play Halo. I'll give you this, but I ain't giving you five hundred ninety nine dollars if there's no Halo. Mm. I mean, because I mean the thing we're missing about about the next gen is to the average consumer. Mm-hmm. The PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, the, they have the exact same power and the exact same capabilities. They're just two different names mm-hmm. to the average consumer. For now, yeah. But over here, I get to play Spider-Man on day one. Yeah, that's... Assuming it's still coming out. I mean, yeah, that's definitely for day one. If, like, I, I would definitely say I would not blame anyone who was thinking about getting a Series X eventually holding off, right? Yeah. And saying, okay, I can play these games that are coming out this fall on my current console. I don't need to play Madden on a next gen when it's not specifically made for next gen. Right. Um, I'll let them have a year. The thing will then be, you know, if it, but if they come around next fall and go, here's a bunch of games and they all look great, you know, and all the exclusive or all the third party stuff looks great on there. Then you start to see the potential of change because, you know, obviously 
while it's great to have a ton of buzz with your original release, it's more important about what you're doing in the next two to three years in terms of your, your big releases and how those hit, you know, that was, that was where Xbox failed, right? You know, they came out and yeah, sunset overdrive was cool, but then quantum break kept getting delayed. (laughs) Halo five was a little bit mixed for people. Gears four was a little bit mixed for people. Um, or he took forever to get to market. Scalebound gets canceled. And meanwhile, while we're waiting on PlayStation, when it finally hits two years in, it's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and everything just starts flooding and keeps building and building. And, you know, Microsoft just couldn't keep up with that. <laughs> uh, oh. oh, yeah. Speaking of announcements, so, knowing did you watch uh, anything interesting last week? <laughs> I did watch the state of play. Crash Bandicoot Four was showed off with a new playable character, Dingle Dial, along with the fresh new look for the N inverted mode, which adds a totally new and dynamic look and feel to each level. The Hitman trilogy will be uh, will be including the upcoming Hitman Three, and will be fully playable in PSVR and be available when it launches in January. Braid Anniversary Edition, that's a great game, uh, was announced and released on PS4 and PS5 in early 2021. The new edition will have a hand repainted for modern high resolutions and adds nine pixels to every one on the original. New animations, improved sound and music and developer commentary have also been included. Spelunky 2 is coming to PS4 on September 15th. Vader Immortal PSVR is coming on August 25th. Uh, previously exclusive to Oculus. Control, the AWE expansion, is being released on August 27th. You should not play that on PlayStation. Play it on PC. Uh, The new trailer featured a glimpse of Alan Wake. Hood, Outlaws, and Legends announced for PS5 during uh, set during Bryn's Dark Ages. The game is in third-person, 4v4, multiplayer heist that is developed by Sumo Newcastle called and is called a dark and gritty reimagining of the Robin Hood legend. And new trailers were shown off with new gameplay elements for Bugsnacks and Godfall. It's uh, funny enough the, the the one announcement that got me truly excited was the Braid anniversary. Yeah, I love. Braid. I never, I've actually never played Braid. Oh man! And I was and I was this close to getting it on Steam, but I'm I'm now gonna wait because I want because this is one of those upgrades that are really significant. I mean, this thing looked great. Yeah. To a game that already did look great. Well, what? Braid was 2006? 13? No. Oh, was, oh, was it sooner long, than that? Yeah. It was, it was oh, early. yeah. It was a uh, 360 generation. Yeah, that was like the first real, or like one of the first like three or four really big titles from Xbox Live Arcade on uh, 360. Mm-hmm. That was what sold it. And yeah, it's a, it was such a cool little interesting thing. Had uh, really fun puzzles involving different things I won't spoil here. And uh, mm-hmm. A really interesting story to it. And, it, you know, it's one of those games where you can beat it probably in like six, seven hours. So it's not like it's a extremely hard game. I might be overestimating how long it is, honestly. It might only be like two or three hours. It's been so oh, long. Yeah. It's been forever. Uh, uh, Godfall looked okay, I thought. I mean, yeah, I was I was actually interested in Godfall after that presentation. I think everyone's like wanting these new games for the fall to look great. And I'm like, you have to realize anything that's being shown to you now is not being 
that's coming this fall is not being made on Unreal 5, right? <laughs> and right. so, you know, to me, it looked like something where I'm like, I'm sure that it handles it better on a PS5 than it does a PS4, but I'm like, yeah, looks like a game that's definitely being developed from this generation. Um, well, you know, then, games look, games look really horrible on PS4. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> uh, Bugsnax is the weirdest, craziest thing. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever not cared about anything more in my life. I was like, John's not going to play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing you said. Uh, John, you know what I do love though? Additions. Yeah, I know. I know. But you forgot to add after you complained. Uh huh. I thought you didn't have anything to say about. Oh, I'm waiting. Uh, uh, Control AWE. Like I said, do not play that on PlayStation or Xbox. Play it on your PC if you can. <laughs> Please, Lord. But yeah. I even, um, what you call it? Justice is, uh, playing Alan Wake right now because he's kind of doing another thing where he's going through his Steam library, uh, alphabetical right so a is for alan wake he said and i said c is for control which is getting an alan wake expansion on august 27th play that what what a nerd well speaking of additions to uh we're talking about additions to the last of us according to an updated trophy list for the last of us part two it is likely that the game will be adding difficulty settings called grounded and uh permadeath yay uh, the trophies are called Dig Two Graves, which <laughs> refers to completing the story on grounded mode. Uh, you can't stop this. Du, 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 defines completing the story with any permadeath setting. Grounded so, for the original game, um, the original Last of Us, was a ultra high difficulty mode that tripled enemy damage, removed the HUD and listen ability, mm. and stripped the world of supplies. Jeez. Which is why I never platinumed The Last of Us. Feels like <laughs> if uh, you wanted to platinum this game, you better hurry. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, I think the trophies have already. Oh, it's already been updated. Oh, well, yeah. sorry, so sorry. You can't do it now. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I you know it's almost like uh, what they used to say about the original game. I've played it. Um, I don't know if I want to go back to that uh, that um, depressing, sad narrative of a game. Yeah, I don't mean that in a I, negative way. I, no, I'm not playing uh, Last of Us for for some you know Sekiro experience because I think it does enough Sekiro experience to my emotions as I go through <laughs> yes. and it makes me do things <laughs> absolutely terrible things. Uh, John, did you know Pikmin Three Deluxe got announced? No way. Yeah, Nintendo has announced that Pikmin Three Deluxe will be released on Switch. On October 30th, 2020 for fifty nine ninety nine. That seems excessive. Originally, Pikmin 3 was released on the Wii U in 2013. The deluxe version adds co-op along with new story, uh, side story missions. It can also be played with a friend. All modes, uh, all mission mode DLC stages will be included in the collection. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, I think Nintendo, they're like, well, we got all these Wii U games we can port and, you know, I think they just right now are at the point where they just throw darts, <laughs> throwing darts <laughs> at the board, and they're like, "Oh, it's Pikmin this fall. Cool, fifty nine yeah. ninety nine. Do it." <laughs> I mean, this is definitely something that's paid off for them. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the best selling game on their platform is a game that they ported over from Wii U. Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Never. it's. A, I mean, they've they tweaked it a little bit, I think, well, but. I, <laughs> If I'm them, I'm not rushing to make a new Mario Kart because that is like no, the, yeah. That's I mean, the that's almost one. like a that's almost like a 
games as a service. <laughs> yeah, I would I would literally if they make their next console, I would just bring over Mario Kart 8 and maybe improve like what you can do in lobbies and partnering yeah. up with people. That's that's all you yeah. need and add more courses to it. <laughs> yeah, and as far as the price, I mean if if you know, I I definitely you know, see the point, but yeah. You know, these games these games at the price they're set, whether it's Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze or the Mario Wii U Deluxe game or whatever that was, they have already outsold by yeah. far what they did on the Wii U. That so, wasn't hard. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> granted, granted, but um, yeah, yeah I, definitely something I would I would want to pick up. I, I just I hate it because you know you you know my mindset on this like you're talking about a game that's seven years old and I doubt it's going to add that much, you know, and the thing is with their exclusives, man, they, they don't really discount that much. And in my mind, I'm just like, even if you discount this down to $45, would I be inclined to buy it? I don't know. It would take a lot. You know, I like some yeah. Pikmin, but I'm not that big of a Pikmin fan. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Um, um is it me? I think it's no. me. Oh no. I'm not even I'm not even a fan no. of Animal Crossing. That's true, you're not. Even though it's sold huge. Huge. And my and my wife is sitting Your over wife. here. Your wife. So this might be adventurous to her. Nintendo's first quarter results have been well, she you know what's funny? She sent me an article on this last week. So she knew this. <laughs> Duh. Uh, Nintendo's first quarter results have been very impressive. The Switch has sold over sixty one million units. I didn't know it was that high. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and profits have, scored, have soared year over year by over 500%. That's 100 Animal Crossing, times five. Animal Crossing, what's that? I said that's 100% times five. <laughs> Animal Crossing has sold huge for the platform by moving 22.4 million units, making it the second best-selling game on Switch behind Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which sold 26.74 million. The game was played on 50% of all Nintendo Switch systems sold between April and June 2020. It's almost like there was some sort of quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the game accounted for over 40% of overall sell-through for Nintendo titles in Japan, the U.S., and Europe for that same time. Hmm. I can't think of a time, even during the Wii era, where um, this type of profitability has been at Nintendo. I just, it's, it's so strange even now thinking of the Wii U era, thinking that this could possibly be it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're the proof though. Like, yeah, sure. We, Wii U, Wii U felt like something kind of akin to Xbox one, right? Like where you felt like they were reading into things and tea leaves that weren't necessarily the right call. Right. And similar to how I think Xbox is trying now with Games Pass, it's like you have to give them credit. They realize like, okay, we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be PlayStation. We're, you know, that that's their thing. We can't really do that with what we do. Let's go make something that's interesting and different. And, you know, it has its audience, right? I think it's like yep. taking all those people that maybe want something that's mobile, but yeah, they just, they're like, I don't want, (laughs) I don't want to play on a phone. You know, I would rather it be a traditional thing when I'm playing it. And that's a good narrative for men. And then on top of that, 
it's a very nice, sleek, easy console for people to get into. And therefore, even if they're not taking it mobile, it helps promote the things that have always done best for Nintendo, which is their first party stuff. I'd just be curious going back and looking how, how, how quick it took PlayStation four to get to 61 million. Probably. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I'm I'm not, not, sure I'm not suggesting it sold quicker. I'm just I'm just curious to see because I was it, 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 had had you asked me three weeks ago how many units mm-hmm. the Switch had sold, I'd tell you thirty million. Let's see how long did it <laughs> here he goes, ladies two. and gentlemen. Well, you thir- said you're like you asked, so I'm like, well, John, we have a thing called Google. They can tell us. <laughs> I just wasn't gonna do it on air. I know, but I'll do it for you. Sixty million <laughs> consoles. Let's see. It does say that Switch reached 50 million faster than PS4. Okay. Okay, so it says here, this is dated June 2017. So what? That is four years, basically. A little shy of four years. So three and a half, like 3.75 years. Mm -hmm. Let's see. When did the switch come out? 2017, March, 2017. So I guess close to, you know, maybe a little bit faster, I guess. But I guess we should also note that the PS4, um, cost $400, right? So I I guess that would, I guess that would factor into some degree. That that should factor in. Yeah. Plus, you know, either way, they 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 both just seem to be doing fine. <laughs> no, of course, <laughs> of course. And then you got you know you got to consider the fact that uh, you know PlayStation Four is at the end of its generation cycle during the pandemic, and yeah, this yeah, one's yeah. in the middle of its generation. No cycle one's buying a. Pandemic. No one in America, I think, right now is buying a PS Four. Right? Yeah. Maybe maybe in like uh, Eastern Europe, which is like how they won in terms of total console sales, I guess. Uh, last gen, right? <laughs> you know plus that you that seems to be. Find any? Have yeah. you looked at a PS4 on Amazon? I have not. They are upcharging you like a mug. Well, that's just all technology right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, most technology, I should say. Uh, the game of the year gets a story expansion. Bethesda and id Software have announced a single-player campaign expansion for Doom Eternal. The expansion is called Doom Eternal: The Ancient Gods Part One. Full trailer will be revealed at Gamescom on August 27th. The story will revolve around an imbalance of power in heaven and how the Doom Slayer fits into the equation. I don't know what it'll be about in terms of what that means or story, but you know what? If I can run around in really good design levels shooting things, I think that's what matters. Not just shooting things. Blowing Ripping and yeah. tearing. <laughs> Setting them aflame. Chris, did you finish this by chance? I, was I have not. Over. I need to finish Doom. I do, but man, I, I have no problem even saying not finishing. I've, I'm with you. Yeah, it's definitely in the conversation for game of the year. Like, God, I know there, not- I know there are some that like kind of say, "Man, well, Doom just did more for me." And you know me, I did not really like that Doom 2016 that much. But man, I could just put headphones on and and just it it gave me nice throwback chills to uh to you know Doom two days, which was my jam. You know that comparison you and I often make between Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3? Yeah. If you go back and play the original Doom, not the original Doom, if you go back and play 2016, 2016. Doom, 
Mm. It's almost like that. Mm. You, uh, you, you think when you're playing Doom Eternal that you're playing, this is what Doom is. But uh-huh. then you go back to Doom 2016 you're, and you're like, oh man, this is kind of slow. <laughs> a yeah. game that was known for fast shooter gameplay. I just, man, I, I never liked going around that area. Yeah. And it's like so weird because here I, I just felt like if that was their weak point, I think they got really, really good at designing in a way to guide you, you know, sometimes obviously. Right. But like they consistently felt like they were guiding me on a path where even if I went off and explored, I always knew where to go mm-hmm. for the main line. It was never too far away. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, John. Wait, but not that finally. finally. For the, I should have said finally. We'll for skip it. Next one. Okay, then skipping the next one, and we'll do that. Okay, that makes <laughs> more sense. I'm editing you here. Okay, I'll do. Yeah. I'll do. Uh, okay, so we might have a setting for Bioshock Four. Uh, the next Bioshock game may not be taking place in either Rapture or Columbia, according to a recent job posting. Let's be honest, Chris, we wouldn't want that. No. Uh, the listing mentions a quote new and fantastical world. Oh my goodness, finally, finally. Quote, we want you to help us breathe life into a new and fantastical world. Together we will set the stage. This sounds like a campaign speech. Together we will set the stage for a stunning narrative. Well, remember, this is PR speak here, right? You're trying, or uh, human resources speak. You're trying to get someone to come to your company. Human resources did not write this. (laughs) Symptom-driven experience. According to a senior cinematic artist job listing, quote, Wes Anderson-like precision. (laughs) And panache in your camera. I don't even know what Wes Anderson like position means. Uh, panache in your camera positioning and movements, and the ability to create and implement sy- uh, systemic in game scripted sy- uh, cinematic sequences. The game also appears to continue its first person shooter roots, quote, the, um, quote, develop a first person shooter combat paradigm that is accessible. Paradigm? Uh, accessible, satisfying, and allows for a high degree of player expression and experimentation within a highly reactive world. Look beyond direct conflict, accommodate various uh, play styles, and design encounters that can be resolved through <clears throat> player ingenuity. You know, one of the biggest criticisms that I remember from Bioshock Infinite is how much more of a shooter it was than its predecessors. Hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that they said... Um, uh, a combat paradigm that is accessible. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, that was, you know, a long time ago. I, I found sometimes Bioshock Infinite was very frustratingly difficult. Wasn't you know? for me. I felt. Well, you were, I, if I recall, you were playing on a PC. I was. And it was. You probably had that precision going on. Hey, man. Yeah, John, I believe when they say Wes Anderson, like precision and panache and your camera positioning. Uh, when's the last time you watched a Wes Anderson movie? I think it was that Bill Murray movie. Which one? <laughs> Rushmore? <laughs> um, or no, Life of the Aquatic? Huh? Life Aquatic? Life Aquatic, yeah. Ah, so it's been a long time. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, from what I hear, like, yeah, no matter how you feel about Wes Anderson, I think most would say, like, he does, what makes him distinct in a way, or one of the things is that, he has the ability to frame a scene specifically, I think, how he has it in his mind because he'll do all these splices of different cuts of things going on in short succession and it delivers the punchline, you know, from the outrageous, like perfectly shot wide shot to show something really weird to then like cutting in real quick to, you know, 
uh, someone like Sam Rockwell's face and him going like, huh. <laughs> and the audience gets exactly what he feels in that moment. And then just boom, then you cut and you're going to something else. Like it's completely natural what just happened because someone else is interjecting. You know, he does that Chris very Lockard, well. Chris Lockard, Renaissance man. Yes. Yes. All right, here we go. Finally, Rocksteady. <laughs> Rocksteady has finally come forward to announce that it's working on a Suicide Squad video game and will announce further details on August 22nd as part of the DC fandom, DC Comics digital fan event. That's if they didn't get fired today. Uh, the idea of a Suicide Squad game has been floating around for a long time. The logo for the tweet showed a crosshair over Superman's head, so it looks like the previously rumored title of Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League is given credibility here, at least regarding story premise. I'm totally fine with this. And um, probably, I would imagine for them, especially coming off the world of Batman, a lot easier for them to make a transition than just making a straight-up regular superhero game, right? Like, yeah, sure. where someone has superpowers. Because, like, no, you can have Deadshot, who's got all these detective and you know heightened abilities too so it, it i don't know it, i hate to say it but it does make sense for them and i think it's a cool twist because i think <laughs> you know when you think of how people are kind of looking judging every moment of the avengers game it's like they're making this and you're like is everyone going to be really highly critical of a suicide squad game i don't think so you know um, which maybe might make people a little bit more open to giving it a shot. Maybe so. And this could be this could be a something that comes out and surprises people. I would never suggest that Rocksteady is gonna do a bad job with this game. Yeah. But it's interesting when this is probably gonna come out simultaneously or around the same time as the new Batman game that we know exists. I mean, it's out there. Yeah. Something that, you know, they're they're gonna probably announce these things simultaneously at this event. Um I feel like when WB Montreal announces their Batman game, releases their Batman game, this Batman game is going to sell much more than this Suicide Squad game. Maybe. I think I think, I think the interest in Suicide Squad is highly overrated by people who are pushing Suicide Squad out onto the public. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't think I just don't think the fans are as into Suicide Squad as people think they are. Um this game puzzles me as why they would be interested in in doing this subject matter unless it just unless it just presented unique gameplay development opportunities i will say hopefully hopefully that's something rocksteady said hey this would be a great idea and we could use uh suicide squad as a template for doing it i will say when they first announced uh arkham asylum because of the history of superhero games, there was a lot of doubt <laughs> that this was going to be something worth it because no one knew really at that point Rocksteady was, right? So, I don't know. I just, I just, I just mean that Suicide Squad, I think, is overhyped as far as, it's, as, as what people perceive their popularity to be. Sure. I just, I've never considered them a AAA property no. from DC, ever. Yeah, but They've that's why people sort of- liked it. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's the, that's the draw to it, right? Like a bunch of characters that aren't humongous and then saying, okay, 
bunch of these people can die because we don't care what happens to them and right. they're going to have to do some impossible mission. It, it creates some, I don't know. Suicide squad to me, it does have some great storylines and I would argue yeah, they yeah. have the best yeah. of the, uh, animated, uh, movies. And that's saying something from DC. Cause I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but the part where the DC universe, uh, Marvel sim, or I guess like cinematic universe, uh, has its issues and holes that people have problems with, including yours truly here. Uh, yeah. that doesn't always exist so much in the animated universe they have. They've done a lot of True. great stuff in that. And I will say, you know, credits, huge credit to Rocksteady. I, I trust them with, yeah. with, with anything. Um, it is because of Rocksteady's involvement that I'm interested in this. Exactly. And that's a credit, that's a credit to them. So that's why I'm willing to say, cause yeah, I do agree with you. Like if this was just some random studio making it, I don't think you could sell this very well, but sure. Yeah. I think like, you know, no offense to Montreal, right? I think Montreal needs Batman more than <laughs> Batman needs Montreal at this point. I would I, think though, suicide I, squad I needs, agree with that. you know, Suicide Squad needs Rocksteady. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the only other one I would trust with them would be like Insomnia. Uh, Insomniac at this point, right? Given what they did with right. Spider-Man. Yeah. <sighs> you want to wrap this up, John? If we must, but just to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
live simultaneously through, through a character's experiences through the written word and you can spend hours doing so what is the difference between that and a video game where you're doing virtually the same thing either way you know what's best for you you know what your instincts tell you i will just uh hope for the best and hope uh but you know uh best outcome i hope she uh comes around on it but uh what were you uh you you you're also wanting to get her into games so i don't i don't know That's you hard. have to yeah <laughs> call of duty maybe <laughs> fortnite i don't know you just i think uh the best examples i've heard is if you can find something that maybe peaks to her i guess entertainment interests right like some people one of the reasons why like people liked games like gone home and stuff like that right is that you could sit down and if I if I was playing that with a lady friend sitting next to me, she could sit there and over the course of what, two and a half hours, we could go through that whole entire game just like she was watching a movie. It doesn't yeah, require yeah. tons of her having to squint and read what's on the screen or anything else, right? <clears throat> and you can get the full narrative experience of, of what's going on and those can be the kind of transitional things that makes people gravitate towards it. So, you know, maybe find something like that. Like if she likes things like walking dead or something, maybe she might enjoy watching you play something like the last of us. I don't know. Um, yeah. but you know, that's you know, something you, to you think could, of. You could even ask some, uh, just a significant amount of time for her to watch you do something like this Yeah. and maybe use, use gone home. I think she would be surprised Yes. About a game like Gone Home actually grabbing you narratively. And, you know, when, you know, if she says, wow, that was interesting, you, you just respond, hey, darling, this is video games. This is what this is. This is what this uh, medium has transitioned to over the years. And it's, 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 it's the, you know, it's the biggest uh, entertainment industry on the planet, you know. Mm. And then you uh, make her watch you play inside. That's right. <laughs> and then she hates him again. <laughs> Next or up, just uh, okay. Call of Duty zombie mode. <laughs> this is a big ramble. Wow. Okay, but it's from Lucy. She says, "Hey, uh, is this this looked strange?" Yeah, no. I was like reading this, and she sent two, but she's I'm reading it as is, John. All right. Hey, recently found you guys, uh, Earthbound. Hey, that's a game. Uh, and she asked originally in the title of this, "Where are you on Facebook or Instagram?" You can find us on Facebook, by the way, just by searching Weekly Games Chat, even though we don't really update it. And we are not on Instagram uh, because John hates pictures. That's why he made his wife take a picture of me and him, which you can find in the Discord if you're wondering. But uh, anyways, uh, I didn't find you guys on Facebook or Instagram. This could be. This is so weird. This Do you play not, VR or other games with stuff that looks like a cage for fat dogs to do exercise? What is this? 3D video games? Yes, we do play VR games. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of stuff here. I'm just going to let this go the rest of the way as I read further and further down. Um, okay. But she did then write a follow-up that says, you guys sound awesome. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> She gave some references of podcasts that she thinks she reminds us of. And oh, cool. Yeah. That's about where I'm going to leave that, I think, John. <laughs> well, Next thanks, up. For the, thanks for the write-in. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Lucy. I, I'm sorry. I could not quite discern what you were asking. 
Um, and that's kind of one of the few deal breakers on the email segment. If I can't figure out what the heck you're writing, it's, it's a little bit harder for me to, and John, I should say, uh, to respond to it. Right. Uh, Vince wrote in old overblown truth as he also is known by, he says, Hey fellows, I have a little game for you. Laura Croft, Jesse Faden, Jill Valentine, kill one, marry one, Richard one, go. Ooh, dang. Who's the, who's the second one? That is, uh, I believe control. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Let me make sure I'm almost like 100% certain of that, but I don't want to. Yeah. Main girl from control. Why didn't why didn't he uh, posit his first? <laughs> uh, let's see here. I would kill Jill Valentine. I would Richard Laura Croft, and I would marry Jesse Faden. John, and I would wish you I would wish you all the best. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna. Oh, why? I'm not, no, I'm <laughs> he not. Doesn't want, he doesn't want to do. Well, John, here, here, hold on. So that your wife, your wife, who's probably in the same room, doesn't what, say a name for the one you would kill. Nope. Just, nope. just do it, John. Do it. do it. People demand these things of you. Everyone write <laughs> in and tell John that he needs to respond to these things. Uh, and finally, from Dave in Northern Virginia. It's been a while since I've, I've seen something from Dave, but it's also nice to see. Greetings, Chris and John and Sean, in parentheses, a.k.a. Hello, hello. Thing might not be here. Uh, but he says, first of all, how are Sean's family doing? Do we need to rally the WGC troops again and raise another round of donations? Say the word and we'll rise to the occasion. Uh, Dave, as far as I know, they are doing fine at the moment. Basically, the latest update we got was Sean once again got COVID clear. Uh, and they he went and met with the surgeon and basically at this point, He's been recovering for so long that they just kind of decided, let's go ahead and see how everything heals naturally instead of re-breaking everything um, and go through physical therapy. And then if there's problems down the way, then they'll consider doing surgery then. So he is at home and that's what he's been doing is a lot of physical therapy. I talked to Bobby Joe actually today, uh, his wife, and she said... She said that, you know, it's it's tiring and the physical therapy wears him out, but, you know, he's definitely doing a lot better than he was, say, just even a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then he says, secondly, I don't have a secondly because I'm mowing the yard and pause to send this after hearing Chris shed tears over the community's neglect of the email segment on WGC. I do have more thoughts and prayers, but I'll save them for next time. I wanted to quickly get this off. Hopefully you guys are mid-recording and you'll get this before meeting up at Chipotle to do a live dangerously and share a barbacoa bowl lady in the tramp style. That's the only way me and John ever eat barbacoa together. How does he know how we do that? That says something. Uh, Peace, Dave in Northern Virginia. I wish we could meet up and have a barbacoa bowl, John. Faux show. One day we'll do it again. One day. One day. We'll hold each other in our arms and take that slow cooked beef put in each of our mouths and not break eye contact (laughs) as we get closer and closer chip in the middle Uh, well will the chipotle (laughs) dressing be a deal breaker oh yeah that's right you do the no 
<laughs> Why would you drown it, man? There's already so much flavor in that beef. Uh, let me um check on Twitter just to see. I didn't really look, but uh, there it says some notifications. We got some mentions. Uh, let's see. First, we got oh Kevin, big Kev during the week asked me, "How is it? How is it? How is it?" Because I had a picture from July on Ghost of Tsushima. Big Kev, I would just tell you, go listen to the episode. <laughs> uh, and then. These are all old. Why are these? Okay, that's why. Yeah, so we don't really have anything that's huge. We just have recommendations. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm definitely failing in the Sean department on, uh, on the what you call it, <laughs> <laughs> on the updating the social medias. Um, I'm sorry. I'll try to do a little bit better this week if I can remember. Probably not gonna remember. Um, that said, John, you got anything else for this episode? Uh, yeah, just a quick question for you. If you okay. uh, have you by chance scooped up uh, Horizon Zero Dawn on PC? I have not. I've been waiting. Um, I love that game, but I've heard that it could use a few patches because it's not yeah. maybe as smooth of a port from uh, as Death Stranding was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to at some point, you know, when it's on sale, probably picking it up for sure. And that's cool. what Sony's counting on. <laughs> Because if everyone's wondering why is all these Microsoft games and EA games and Sony games going to Steam all of a sudden, go look at the charts and you'll find out real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it. This has been episode 269 of Weekly Games Chat. We have no idea what we're talking about next week, but John's going to find something, so I'm just going to slack off. But... (laughs) If before then you want to know what he found while I slacked off, you should subscribe to the show and you'll get a new episode just like this one every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. Uh, you can find us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use around the globe. And if you are not finding us, please shoot us an email or a message or something and I'll see if I can solve it. John's not going to. It's not like he's a freaking co-host of this thing. He's host of just being a ghost. But if you want to write your thoughts and prayers, make sure you write them to weeklygameschat@gmail.com. You can also send us some tweets, also found by searching Weekly Games Chat. And if you want to join in the conversation with other people in the community, including us from time to time when we hop in there, you can join us on Discord simply by searching Weekly Games Chat. Until next time, John, if you've got nothing else, I will simply say game on. Game on, Chris. <laughs> game on, Sean, wherever you're at. Game on, Sean. Your mom's fucked! The Thug Live. Peace out, everybody.